Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, before we get into this show, I'm just going to say, for first-time listeners, this is the Box Hub podcast. The show is divided into two parts, part one and part two. Part one is where we review the fights that happened last week, and part two is the part where we preview the fights coming up this week. And also, almost every week, we've got at least one or two boxing stars as guests on the show. Sometimes we bring in really random ones, like we'll have Charlie Edwards, the English fly weight champion and then we'll have a guy from america uh wilkie campfort who's fighting for a world title for and he's living in florida we bring in really really random guests and we just merge them together on one show so if you're listening for the first time thank you very much for tuning in now before we get into part one i as i just want to say i'm wearing my team fury hoodie for the whole of this show <laughs> and the new I has joined me and the new and the new <laughs> okay now we're going to do it in order of the day it took place I'm not going to jump straight on to Saturday just yet I'm going to start with Wednesday Wednesday in Florida Erislandi Lara defended his WBA World Super Worldweight title also known as the 154 light middleweight title he fought Jan Zavik and Lara picked up a third round TKO victory so he now moves to 22 and 2 with the two draws Jan Zavik, 35 and 4 now. So another positive win there for Erislandi Lara. Nothing took place on the Thursday or the Friday, just on the Saturday. So we're going to start with, I'm going to start with a little card that happened in Italy. Carlos Takam fought George Arias and Carlos Takam moved to 33 and 2 with the one draw. It was a eight rounder. Heavyweight division, of course. George Arias previously fought Huey Fury. So Takam won that unanimously after eight rounds. It was a bit of a strange card, that one. But yeah, moving up, moving over to Texas, USA. Errol Spence Jr. topped the bill. He moved to 19-0 with a TKO in the fifth round. He knocked out Alejandro Barrera. Uh, Barrera was down twice in round five, and then it was waved off. So Errol Spence picks up another win. Again, a very, very good prospect for the future. Also on that bill, our guest from last week, Wilkie Campfort, spoke to us, and he was going to be fighting Jamal Charlo for the IBF World Super Welterweight title. Again, the 154 title. So Jamal Charlo, unfortunately, he picked up the win. So our guest from last week, didn't achieve his childhood dreams really, and Charlo moves to 23 and 0, whilst Campfort moves to 21 and 2. Very sad for him to be honest, because he seemed a really, really nice guy. And you know, we said that hopefully next time we speak, he'll be champion of the world. But unfortunately, you know, his dream just didn't come true. Fourth round TKO. Good fight though, by the way. He really came to fight Wilkie, but unfortunately Charlo just had too much room on the night. John Molina Jr. was on the card. He moved to 28 and 6. He picked up a TKO in the third round. He fought George Romero. Romero, not really very well known, to be honest, but John Molina Jr., another knockout. He's a real hard hitter. Uh, That was obviously down in welterweight, which he's now stepped up to. So it'd be interesting because a lot of his fights were at 140. It'd be interesting to see what he can do in the worldweight division. I'd like a dust-up with him and someone else who can bang a bit. Ayaz, who do you think John Molina Jr. perhaps could face at 147 and it'd be a real, you know, slugfest dogfight in the trenches? So he's just moved up, right? So in my opinion, I'd like to see him fight Paulie Malignaggi or Devin Alexander. Yeah. But I just think, like, for a proper brawl, for a proper dog fight, I'd like to see him face someone like Tim Bradley, perhaps someone like Provodnikov, Danny Garcia, someone where it's just going to be an absolute war. 
even Brandon Rios would have been a good fight, actually. And apparently there's talks of him coming out of retirement. Have you heard about that? Yeah, what a surprise. You know, yeah, what, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, what would be an interesting fight before uh, we carry on? Um, Brandon Rios fight Provodnikov. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, we're going to move over to another card on Saturday, and we're leaving the Fury fight last here. We're going to leave it last. We're going to move over to Quebec, Canada now. James DeGale fought Lucian Butte. James DeGale picked up a unanimous decision win. He was defending his IBF World Super Middleweight title. So DeGale now moves to 22-1 and and Lucian Butte 32-3. and Now, James DeGale made this hard for himself, Ayaz, didn't he? You know, he just seemed to win a few of the early rounds and then he seemed to let Butte sort of get back into it a little bit. And I honestly thought that he was going to not get the decision. I didn't think he lost the fight. I just think the crowd were reacting to every single thing that Butte was doing. I mean, he could have sneezed and they'd be cheering him. They were just going wild for everything he did. And I thought that the judges could get influenced. And I thought it was quite tight. Some of the scorecards, you know, give it to DeGale quite wide. Now, I'm, I'm happy to see him retain his titles. And like I say, I thought he won the fight. But I think he, he made it very hard for himself. And it's not the first time we've seen him do it. He was winning the Darrell fight. And then he seemed to just, you know, put the brakes on a bit. I don't know. Come off the gas pedal, possibly. I don't know. And he just seemed to let him, seemed to let Darrell get back into it a little bit. And it was quite close. And then this time, he seemed to let Butte get back into it. And there was a lot of talk about possibly Butte not being comfortable at the weight well forget about that one that must have been a huge rumor because there was no truth in that whatsoever he looked he looked brilliant to be honest I think that yeah a couple more rounds a couple I'd probably give it to DeGaulle by one or two rounds so if he'd have fought a tiny tiny bit better Butte remember he's quite aged now he's been through a lot of stuff I think he could have got that win and I'm a huge DeGaulle fan but if he'd have given it a little bit more he'd have won that fight what do you make of it, Ayaz? What did you think? I know you stayed up and watched it as well. Yeah, I stayed up. DeGale, in my opinion, he did very good. To be honest, like, I know Butte is a good fight, but, you know, since that Froch, people agree, people might agree with me, people might disagree with me. You know, since that fight against Froch, I don't think he's the same fighter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a point to that. But like I say, he, he put up such a good fight against DeGale, who's a young you know, skillful, skillful boxer. He was going southpaw. He was going orthodox. Obviously, Butte southpaw anyway, but it was a good fight. It was it was almost... I thought he was going to knock him out, put it that way. I thought that DeGale was going to knock Butte out early. And so did DeGale. DeGale said he's going to take him out within the first six rounds. I think I heard also he wanted to take him out within the first three rounds. I had money on DeGale winning that fight by knockout. And, you know, it just didn't happen. And again, it was close. So I'm a bit disappointed in DeGaulle. I don't know what it is. It's not that he has stamina problems, because he doesn't. But he just seems to take his foot off the gas. I don't know what it is. Just during the fight, he takes his foot off the gas. I don't know if he thinks he's winning by by miles and he thinks he can take the foot off. But he can't, because he will get caught out, especially if he's fighting in these guys' backyards. He will get caught out, and it won't be looked at as a robbery because of what's going on in the in the crowd. You know, everyone's going wild. It won't be seen as a robbery, honestly. It was very, very close fight on Saturday. So I hope, I don't know, he, he starts fighting again the way he was when he was just knocking people out like Paraban and these other guys. Moving down the card anyway, there was a bit of an upset. Well, a big upset, actually. Amir Imam, he got TKO'd in the eighth round. He was a prospect, Don King fighter. He's now 18-1. and one. He went into this fight unbeaten. And the man of the moment, Adrian Granados, who had a record of 16-4 and 2 draws. He's now 17 wins, 4 losses and 2 draws. So he's defeated a prospect. That is in the 140 division, TKO in the eighth round. Also, Elida Alvarez was on the bill. He fought Isaac Chalemba, the foe of Tony Bellew. This was for the WBC silver light heavyweight title. Alvarez defeated Chalemba by a majority decision after two rounds. After Sorry, not two rounds, after 12 rounds. 
Alvarez now moves to 19 and 0, unbeaten. And Isaac Chilimba racks up his third loss now, 24, 3 and 2 draws. Now we're going to move over to the big one. I'm going to start with the undercard. Huey Fury was supposed to appear on the undercard, but due to quite a lot of opponents pulling out, as I understand, but we will be speaking to Peter Fury later and we'll ask him about it. But a lot of opponents apparently pulled out of the fight, so Huey Fury was off the bill, unfortunately. I think he may be fighting next weekend, but again, we'll have to ask Peter Fury. But also on the bill, John O'Carroll, he fought Miguel Gonzalez. John O'Carroll picked up a win. He now moves to 9-0. and This was a unanimous decision, a win after 10 rounds. Miguel Gonzalez, 13-4 and now. So John O'Carroll, prospect. Now the big one for the WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO heavyweight world titles Vladimir Klitschko defending 64 wins 3 losses 0 draws Tyson Fury unbeaten 24 and 0 Vladimir Klitschko Dr. Steelhammer massive 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 favourite nobody gave Fury a chance nobody gave him a chance I mean I gave him a chance but not, not a lot of people gave him a chance a lot of people are changing their their predictions after the fight, which is which is quite laughable to be honest, but we're going to get straight into it. Wow, wow. Would you? I mean, you're going to have to take over, Ryers, because I was lost. I'm lost for words. This is one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. My words, oh my god! Literally, I can't believe Fury won the win, beating Vladimir Klitschko. I remember before the fight, a lot of people were writing off um, Fury. They're like, yeah. Klitschko's going to knock him out. Klitschko's going to stop him. Klitschko's going to stop him. All I heard is that. And the one thing is, do you see Vladimir Klitschko's headbutt in the fight? Yeah, that's something that kind of didn't get mentioned, unfortunately, by anyone. I don't think Peter Fury was very happy with the Sky Pundits, but that seemed to just go, you know, un... no one said anything about it. It just seemed to be, you know, forgotten about almost immediately. But Fury was deducted a point in the 11th round for shots in the back of the head. Now, Tony Weeks, I don't know how great his performance was as a referee, to be honest. Uh, He kept telling Fury off for hitting in the back of the head. There's a few times where Vladimir Klitschko turned his back on Fury. I mean, Fury caught him with a devastating left hook and he just steamed into him. Next thing you know, Klitschko turns his back and... He, you know, he hits he hits him with a shot, Fury. He hits him. It was only soft. It hit him in the back of the head. Next thing you know, Tony Weeks is deducting a point and then Vladimir Klitschko's in the corner recuperating from being hurt. And possibly Tony Weeks saved Klitschko from being stopped for the fourth time in his career. But anyways, the result was Tyson Fury won unanimously after 12 rounds and Tyson Fury is the new WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO, heavyweight world champion so i'm excited to speak to peter fury later on in the show and we'll see you know we'll get his views on on how it all went but i was just so pleased for tyson fury i just really 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 was i'm even over the moon now you know i went asleep i woke up the next day and i still couldn't believe it like the heavyweight champion of the world is is from our shores you know it's it's just amazing um you know i don't want to sit here and start carrying this on forever but he was he was just absolutely tremendous a lot of people saying the fight was boring my heart was racing for all 12 rounds it was a great fight it was a great fight and Klitschko just didn't know what to do he just had no idea he wasn't throwing the right hand he had no injury whatsoever Tyson Fury stated that whenever Klitschko was about to throw the right hand he sort of dips his legs lining up for a power shot he dips his legs you know the power comes from your legs in boxing and Tyson Fury just throw a jab and unsettle him. And then he'd have to try and settle again, then set on his legs again. And he just couldn't do it. Fury just made it too awkward for him. And it's interesting because Klitschko has got this jab, jab, grab style. And he couldn't grab Tyson Fury and put him down like he, like he usually does. Remember, he had a smaller reach than Fury. And Fury just out-gianted him. He just outmanned him. He did. You know, he looked like a bully in there. And all the stuff he was putting his hands behind his back, he absolutely just, he smashed him. Simple as that. Even Vitali afterwards, he was disappointed in his brother. 
But it was just, it's just amazing for British boxing. I'm going to stop there. But yeah, I'm just over the moon for Tyson and all the Furies. Over the moon. They all deserve it 100%. Is there anything else you wanted to add that's happened this week at all, Ayaz? Or is that is that all of it covered? All I've got to say, yeah, is Tyson Fury's got some big fights ahead of him. I can tell you that for a fact. One thing I've got to say, yeah, when Tyson Fury was crowned the new heavyweight champion of the world, I saw a tweet from Deontay Wilder say, I'm coming for you. See, that's a fight that could get made down in the future. It all depends on what happens with the Klitschko rematch because let's not let's not be silly and sit here now and say that Klitschko is completely written off. He's had one bad fight against Tyson Fury. That's it. In all of his other fights, he's looked tremendous. You know, People were saying that he's in the best form of his life, even though he's 39 years old. So Vladimir now 64 and 4 and Tyson Fury unbeaten 25 and 0. So yeah, Tyson Fury is going to now turn into the cash cow in the division. It'll be interesting to see what happens because remember Tyson Fury was fighting on Channel 5 for a long time and then when the fights were getting a little bit bigger and he was moving into, you know, uh, Fury Chisora 2 they signed a contract, a co-promotional sort of deal between Mick Hennessy and Frank Warren for Fury to be fighting on Box Nation, which I think brings in a bit more revenue. And now this fight was on box office. So what's going to happen in the future? Because he now warrants a lot of money, Tyson Fury. You know, he needs to be paid big money. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's got four of the belts, or three of the belts, four of the belts, whatever you deem, you know, the proper belts. But are Channel 5 going to be able to give him that money that he deserves now? Because if not, they're going to have to sign some sort of promotional deal with a third-party broadcaster, of course. So it'd be interesting because Hennessy is contracted to Channel 5, of course. So it'd be interesting what happens next. And I'll be sure to ask that to Peter Fury. Okay, that's it for part one. It's now time to welcome our first guest this week. His dad is a boxing legend. His dad is a three-time world champion. However, he himself is a top boxer also and has a record of 19 wins and one loss. 15 of those wins coming by way of knockout. Ladies and gentlemen, the son of Julian Jackson, we present to you Julius Jackson. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, your nickname, Julius, is The Chef. Why is that? Because a lot of boxers have got these crazy nicknames, but I understand you actually do cooking. <laughs> yeah, I actually am a chef. Um, you know, I've been to culinary school, and I've worked for the Marriott Corporation for about four years. And, um, yeah, I actually, I'm a, I'm a beast in the kitchen, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to ask you, now that you've said that, I've got to ask you, would you prefer boxing or cooking? Um, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty even, you know, I, uh, I do both. So, uh, I, I'm kind of stuck in the middle, man. I, I don't love one more than the other and I can only fight for so long. So it kind of evens out. <laughs> so you've got something to fall back on when your fighting career is done. Exactly. Exactly. I got you. Okay. Now for those who haven't seen your fight, how does your, haven't seen your fighting style, should I say, how does your fighting style compare to the likes of your dad's style, for example? Yeah, uh, it's a little different from my dad. You know, my dad was really uh, just into power punching. Um, he was really good at throwing good right hands and good left hooks with, with full power. Um, I'm a little different. You know, I like to use my jab, and I like to throw, to throw combinations. You know, I'm a, I'm a boxer puncher, I would say. You know, I, I like to box and throw different combinations, use my jab. But I also have some of my dad's power, you know, which you can tell by my record. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good mixture, I think. Yeah, not only that, but also, of course, um, you and your brother, both professionals, your brother, of course, John Jackson, both of you have got quite a lot of knockouts. You've, you've inherited his power somewhere along the line because you both got that, that knockout power, as, as you can see when you look at your records and you see the amount of knockouts you've got for the wins that you have. Right, right. So some of it, not, not exactly the same. I don't know if there will ever be another Julian Jackson in the sport, but um, uh, we got a little bit of it. What are some of the best guys that you've sparred with in the gym, Julius? Because I know that you've done a lot of sparring, of course. What are some of the top guys you've sparred with? Yeah, I've done a lot of sparring. Um, most recently, um, you know, my, my main sparring mate has been uh, Jeremy Golovkin. Um, oh, I've, wow. I've done him for about five, five fights. 
And um, before him was Sergio Martinez, uh, got him ready for two of his biggest fights. And um, before Sergio, I sparred with uh, Kasim Uma in Florida, and uh, as well as uh, the Haitian Sensation uh, in Florida as well. Also got uh, Campillo, Gabriel Campillo, ready for a couple of fights as well. So I've done quite a bit of sparring. Wow. I wasn't expecting all those names. I was actually going to ask you something about Golovkin a bit later, but I think I'll ask it now. Obviously, you compete in the super middleweight division. If Golovkin were to move up to super middleweight, how do you think he'd do up there? I think he'll do very well. Um, you know, his his power and defensive skills, I think, would, would definitely favor him, um, you know, to deal with the bigger guys. Uh, he definitely knows how to handle stuff, and he spars with. Usually, he spars with bigger guys. Like that's that's who he spars with. So I, I think he'll handle himself very well at Super Bowl. Okay. Now, obviously, you're in a very highly skilled division. The super middleweight division is actually over in the UK. It's probably one of our best divisions, to be honest. A lot of fighters are coming through with a lot of talent from from the UK. So it's a very highly right. sought after division. But the division, the division's now wide open with Andre Ward moving up to light heavy, of course. So who are you targeting in the division? I know that you've just come off the back of a, off of a loss, unfortunately. But who are you? You know, obviously you're gonna you're gonna look to bounce back. Who are you targeting in the division? If you've got any names for us, Julius. Uh, yeah, anybody really. You know, I'm just uh, trying to get back to where I was. You know, uh, I was fifth in the world after my last loss. I mean, before my last loss. So I'm looking to get back up there, and uh, whoever is the top fighters, man, that's who I want to fight. You know, I'm I'm not really looking for any tune-up guys or you know any opponents. I want to fight uh, top name, top prospects, so I can work my way straight back to the top. And um, you know, I'm I'm I, I'll, I'll fight anybody, man. You know, I've been wanting to fight uh, Badoo Jack for a few years now. That hasn't happened, uh, so I still want to crack at him. And uh, I'll fight anybody. I love to come to the UK and and fight too because of, because like you say, 168 is so huge in the UK. I think um, you know they have some of the top fighters at 168 right now. So uh, I'll definitely love to do that. Just to you know test myself, improve myself. I think I, that's what I really want to do, prove myself to the world that I am one of the best 168 pounders. So that's that's what I want to do. Now. As well as competing in boxing, are you also a fan of the sport? Do you, do you also watch boxing? Do you know like what's going on in your division? Yes, yes. I do know what mostly is going on in my division, yeah. Would it be okay if I threw a few names at you, some of the top guys, and possibly you just, if you summed up what you thought of them, your opinion on them, in just a short sentence, and I just threw a few names at you, would you be able to do that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so yeah, just you don't have to go right into it. You can just say a couple of words. That's fine. I'm just going to throw about six names or seven names at you. So I'll start with James DeGale. Oh, very good. Very good boxer. Um, very slick uh, and aggressive. You know, I, I like his style. I think he's a, a great, great top fighter and a world champion. Uh, I watched his fight with Butte and uh, did very, very good. Um, good skill. Was able to move and box when he needed to and be aggressive when he needed to. So I think he's a, he's a great uh Champion, um, very good style and uh, has good power too. Badu Jack, another good champion. Um, I think he has a lot of flaws though. A lot of uh, he makes a lot of mistakes, but um, he's he wants to be champion, which I think is his drive. Uh, he's a very willed fighter. He will himself through any any fight, and um, I, I take my hat off to him in that. But um, I think he can definitely be beaten, and um, I think uh. You know, he's he's going to be in tough when he faces the top guys like DeGale. I think he'll be have tough tough time with those guys. Arthur Abraham. Oh, man. <laughs> he uh, has a history of great fights. Um, I admire his style. Uh, a lot of heart. He's one of the fighters that I can say has a lot of heart and will, will never quit. And, um, you know, I, I know he's on his way out. You know, he's he's very, uh, very you know, at the end of his career. Um, tough fighter, man. Uh, he reminds me of Carl Frost with the tenacity. And, um, you know, I just think he's uh, he'll forever be remembered as one of the great champions. So uh, hopefully we get to see him again soon. Anthony and Andre Durrell. Uh Yes, the two brothers. Uh, great boxers. Um, they have one of, the, one of the best boxing skills at 168, I would say. Um, such great talent. Very talented athletic fighters. And um, I, I would like to get in the ring with, with either one. I think they... Uh, 
they will definitely test you. Uh, <laughs> they will test your skill and your strength. And um, I, I would see them as uh, some of the top 168 fighters in the world. Felix Sturm. Uh, Felix Sturm, man. He's, I, I've been longing to see him fight again. I uh, haven't seen him fight in a while. But um, very sound technical fighter. And uh, another one of the best 168-pounders there is right now. Um, hopefully we get to see him back really soon. And just two more. Uh, George Groves. Yeah, George Groves. I almost had the opportunity to spar with him uh, in, in California, in Big Bear, while I was training with uh, Golovkin. And um, he's just got a big heart, man. He's a he's a no nonsense fighter. You know, he keeps coming, and uh, but he's also smart. He has he has some smarts to him. But um, I, I think he's one of the top guys. Uh, he took a tough loss against Purdue Jack, but um, I think he'll come back and he can beat a lot of a lot of guys right now. So I see him as as one of the top ones he stays for sure. And the last one I'm going to throw at you, you may not know him. You may know him, you may not. He's from the UK. A big prospect, unbeaten. He's coming up. I think he's maybe third in the WBC, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Callum Smith. Have you heard anything about this guy? Yes, I, I have heard of him. Um, I, I've seen some clips of him fight. Um, I haven't uh, seen any live fights, but I've seen some clips. And um, he's a very good fighter. Uh, he almost has a similar style to myself which is one thing I noticed. Um, he can throw good combinations, and he has good power. Uh, has a good jab, too. And um, I, I see him as being a force to reckon with once uh, you know his popularity goes up and um, he keeps keeps working his way up. I think he'll be a force to reckon with, definitely. Yeah. See, um, there's one promotional company in the UK, Eddie Hearn. He owns Matrim Sports, obviously. And he's yep. got two. He's got a few. He's got a lot of boxers. Most of the best boxers in the UK are signed with him. And he had two prospects, um, Callum Smith and another guy called Rocky Fielding. Rocky Fielding was 21 and 0, and Callum Smith was 17 and 0, and he matched them against each other. And everybody thought it was going to be really close, and Callum Smith just demolished him in the first round. It was quite horrible, yep. to be honest. But he's a real devastating yep, that's, fighter. That's the fight that I saw um, because uh, the other fighter, what's the other fighter's name? Rocky Fielding. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky Fielding, he was actually a, a name called for me to fight. So I was looking at him, and uh, and he booked a fight right before my fight, and he was fighting him, and that's the fight that I saw. I thought it was yeah. going to be close myself. <laughs> yeah, see, Callum Smith, <laughs> and he's he's six foot three, and he, he throws these hooks to the body. He seems to stop a lot of people with body shots. But anyways, enough on Callum Smith. Um I want to ask you, Julius, who is your favorite fighter? In fact, before I ask you that, I still don't forgive your dad for knocking out our very own Harold Bomber Graham. It was 25 <laughs> years last week. I still haven't forgiven him. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great fight, man. Harold Graham was actually really, really beating him up. And that one punch, man. My, I think only my dad has that one, that one sweeper, man. <laughs> Is he still got a lot to do with your career, Julius, your dad? Yes, yes, very much so. Um, he's he's one of my head trainers, and uh, he's also part of my management team. So definitely, he's very much involved. And I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite fighter? It doesn't have to still be active, but just past and present. Your favorite fighter from the UK? Um, I I will have to say Prince Nassim. Prince Nassim is one of my favorite guys to watch. He just had such a relaxed skills with fullness, you know, I, and I, I admire that, you know, being relaxed in the ring is, is a big part of my game too, and he was so super relaxed that he could do so much craziness with his style and still be effective. You know, I, I, I was really impressed by him, uh, and he put a big impression on me, and he was he was big right after my dad's career, and, and we used to watch him every fight, we watched every fight of his, and uh, it, it was beautiful to watch, to see him so relaxed. I mean, he would kid around a lot and be kind of crazy, but I could see how relaxed and he used his skills. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah, a lot of people say Prince Nassim when I ask him. Every time I interview somebody from the States, I always ask what's their favourite UK fighter, and that's probably the name that's been thrown back at me the most, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Julius, um, what is next for you then? Because... I know that it hasn't been too long since your last fight, but when are you looking to get back in the ring? Is there any dates been discussed? Any opponents been discussed at all yet? 
No, not yet, not yet. You know, um, you know, Al Heyman is my advisor, and uh, I have a local promotional team called Three Forty Boxing, and um, so they they just have me on a break right now. Um, I'm just relaxing, staying busy in the gym, and uh, hopefully they say hopefully next year, early next year, maybe February, March time, maybe you know I'll get in there. So um, you know, just taking a break right now, and and uh, about to get married. I'm getting married in December, and um, and then get back in the get back in the gym and, and get back on the road. So just waiting to see, man. Well, congratulations on that from the Box Hard Podcast, Julius. I hope you have a you know a good wedding day in that. Appreciate it, man. And the last thing I was going to say just before we sign you out, is there any social media that you're on for anybody listening so they can get in touch with you, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything like that? Oh, definitely, man. I'm everywhere. I'm on everything. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can just search me at facebook.com slash Chef. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at JuliusTheChef1. And I'm also on Snapchat for those who, who love Snapchat, uh, just at JuliusTheChef. And uh, I also have a website, JuliusTheChef.com. You can check me out there. I'll be posting some recipes and some stuff up there as well. You guys can try and check out. And uh, I'll look for me on the Food Network, man. I'm going to be on the Food Network in January. So uh, just look out for me, man. And those of you who like to eat, just follow me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So hopefully we see you over here in the UK fight one day. And if not, hopefully we'll eat some of your food somewhere along the line. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's one of my dreams, man, is to, to fight in the UK. So hopefully that comes true very soon. Yeah, we'd welcome you over here. We we appreciate people like yourself. Okay, Julius, it's been absolutely my own pleasure for having you on the show. It's been tremendous to hear from a boxing legend, but also a good fighter in your own right. I wish you the best of luck in the future. Unfortunately, Obviously, you're not in the, the best place you want to be in right now, but a lot of good times ahead. You're getting married. You're going to bounce back in the new year. And I believe in you that you will get to the top. So thank you very much for coming on our show. And it's been a pleasure speaking to you, sir. Oh, man, thank you. And, and thank you, Box Hard Podcast, for having me, man. You guys are great. You guys do a great job, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome world champion boxing trainer, Mr. Peter Fury. Okay, Peter, welcome to the show again. Second time you've been on now. Um, firstly, yeah. firstly, massive, massive, massive congratulations for what happened on the weekend. Everybody's so, so, so proud to have another um, heavyweight world champion from the UK. So it's an absolute honour to have you on. Thank you very much, uh, and I appreciate it. Now, I just wanted to, to say a little stat. You may know this. But of all the British heavyweight world champions we've had, we've only had three guys win the title whilst being unbeaten at the time they won it. Now, some of the heavyweight world champions Britain's had, they've won it a little bit later on in their career when they might have had a couple of losses. But Fury's one of the three British fighters to win it whilst being unbeaten. Um, he's, he joins Henry Akinwande, who actually had a draw at the time he won it, and Lennox Lewis, who was given the title because Riddick Bowe refused to fight him. So Fury's actually the only guy who's unbeaten and to win it in the ring. So that's, you know... Okay. What other English guy have we got in the heavyweights from Britain that's gone abroad? And took it off a super champion. Yeah, no one, no one, no one's ever won it in the ring completely unbeaten. There you are, it. So um, very no, good. No draws, no losses. Okay, um, now what was it like over there, Peter? How good does it feel to prove all the doubters wrong, or even the Sky pundits that was against Tyson in the build-up? You know, it's um, it's, it's it's beautiful. You know, that's what makes this win all so great. All the experts. All the knowledge boxes, you know, it absolutely, it rams home exactly where it's at, you know. We've been gifted. It's like, it is, it's a gift from God what's happened to prove all these, these so-called experts absolutely wrong. So, they're eating humble pie now. So, they don't know what to say. I'd like to see them come back on air and say, well, we totally, totally got it wrong. That's all they can say, isn't it? Yeah, there's nothing else for him to say. Now, Huey Fury was supposed to be on the bill, but there was a series of pullouts. Is he now yeah. on the bill this weekend on the undercard of Lenny Dawes? Yes, he is. Do you know sort of what opponent he's in there with at all? Yeah, we need an opponent with a pair of uh, balls to fight him. That's what we're after. And of course, 
Now that Fury's like the main man in the division, Tyson, there's going to be big paydays down the line. And I know that the last few fights haven't been with Mick Hennessy. Obviously, he's contracted to, to Channel 5. They haven't been on, on Channel 5. What will, what, will, what will we see in the future? What sort of channel will Tyson be boxing on that will bring him in the money that he deserves now? Well, Tyson's fights, all of his fights now will be pay-per-view because he's a pay-per-view fighter. So if that, that's it. His fights will go on pay-per-view. It'll be Sky or, you know, HBO. You know, this is the type of thing what Tyson is now. He's a, he's a, he's a pay-per-view fighter, so he's on that, he's on that pedestal now. So um, that's what you're looking at. And of course, you've you've said you've made reference before that Huey and Tyson will become the the new Klitschko's in the division. Now that Tyson's got all the belts, will we see Huey going down the WBC route? We're just going to take Huey, you know, fight by fight, and uh, we'll see what the next twelve eighteen months brings. We've got no rush at all. So when the right when the time becomes right, and Tyson unifies unifies the division and collects all the belts. Then he can vacate one and you he can fight for it. So, you know, we're on the right track. We have a plan in my I have a plan in my mind and uh, that's the plan we're going to going to going to do. We're already the plan's already coming true, so uh, Tyson's on the top now. He'll just he'll fight, hopefully unify the rest of the belt and uh, well there's only one left. And uh, we'll see how it goes there and Yui he's gonna keep busy, keep learning his trade and improving all the time. Um, it's been well documented that there is a rematch in the contract clause. There's a rematch clause in the contract. Um, do you think this will be exercised by Klitschko? Um, well, I, I can't really answer that question, but uh, I assume it will be. And uh, I think Klitschko will want the fight. Um, we, we want the fight. I'd like the rematch as well. Um, so we'll know, we'll know for sure by January. Um... And that's where it's at. And what's your comments on, if you want to comment on, what's your comments on Tony Weeks, the referee's performance on the night? I thought he's done a very good job. Um, I don't agree with him uh, giving the point because uh, a lot of headbutts was going on. Vladimir, you've seen it in the slow motion. He gave Tyson deliberate headbutts in the face and he got away with it. So I wasn't too impressed with Tony Weeks, to be honest. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was more... For Klitschko, and he was trying to help him out at the end of it. And where do, where will the rematch be if it takes place? Will it be in Germany or will it be over in the UK? Wherever it makes business viable sense. There's no clause in the contract to say it's got to be in Germany. So if the if the if it's better here, it'll be in England. And uh, I would like it to be in England this this, this next fight anyway. So we're going to push for it uh, Wembley Stadium. Yeah, that would be a real spectacle. Um, Ayers, you can bring yourself in and ask Peter any any questions that you've got. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Congratulations on the new uh, on Tyson Fury becoming the new heavyweight champion. Yeah, great. Thanks very much. Fury, well, uh, I want to ask you this. You know, David Hay, right, has recently come out and says Tyson Fury needs um, his uh, his name by uh, fighting Hay. What do you think of that? It's just a publicity stunt. What do we need him for? Look, he's gonna, he's got. Look, you can't blame the fellow. He's gonna do whatever he can. But you know, look, he got, he got the floor, he got the floor wiped the floor with with uh, Vladimir Klitschko, and Tyson's just beat Klitschko, so it's enough said, isn't it? Obviously, Tyson Fury is now sports con uh, a contender for sports person sports personality of the year. Do you reckon he's got a chance of winning it after dethroning the king Vladimir Klitschko? I don't know who else is in the list. Um, He's certainly uh, a character for sure, you know. So uh, I think he'd have as good a chance as anyone as winning it. Straight after Tyson Fury's win, Deontay Wilder tweeted and said, "I'm coming for you." Is that a fight that that could be made in the future for a unification fight? Yeah, it's a fight we want after Vladimir. You know, we want we want uh, we want that WBC belt. So um, that's what we're after. So um, it's a fight we're very interested in. But first. We've got to take care of uh, Klitschko in the rematch. And how do you see this fight going? A lot of people, a lot of people like um, said that Fury ain't going to win this fight against Klitschko, and obviously now Fury's proved the world. How do you see the second fight going if it happens? 
I think uh, you're going to see a very special Tyson Fury in the rematch, and uh, in the rematch, I think there'll be a stoppage. I think Tyson, I think Tyson will get to Klitschko in the rematch and do a lot better job than the first time around. Thank you, Peter, and I'll pass you back to Joey. Thank you. Last two things I wanted to say, Peter. Um, now we can actually say it's a much smaller fight than the fights that you've been involved with recently. But how do you see uh, Joshua versus Dillian White going? Uh, very difficult to judge. Um, I, I see it as a, a fight which is going to test either man, and we'll see which which one's got um, the capability of going forward onto big, bigger and better things. So it's a, it's a good fight, and uh, I'm pleased that both men are stepping up to the plate and taking it. So it's it's nice to see actually. So at least they're at least they're t taking it because they do believe that they can do great things in the sport, both men, so it's nice that they're getting it on. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't really pick one. All I can say is um, I'm going to watch it. I think it's going to be a good fight to see. And now after the fight's obviously taken place, um, what do you make now of the attempts to try and unsettle Tyson with the extra layers on the ring and also, you know, wrapping his hands without anybody seeing a few different things he tried to do in the build-up. Do you, do you look, do you think he did that maliciously now looking back at it? Look, all as I know is it was, um, it was wrong to do the, the mattress, uh, the, the, the canvas because it was like treading on a soft mattress. You know, it was, uh, it was ridiculous actually. It wasn't even, the foam that was under the ring would be illegal in this country anyway. It was just ordinary foam that goes in a mattress. So it's uh, so we got that took out. There was an issue with the gloves. There was an issue with the hand wrappings. But Tyson Fury was not aware of any of this. You know, this is all stuff that um, me and Mick Hennessy dealt with. Tyson was in his room getting ready for his fight, so it didn't affect him one little bit because all these issues, me and Mick took care of them. So that's not Tyson to deal with, the fighter. That's for me and Mick to deal with, and we, and we did. I just want to say you've done an absolutely fantastic job of guiding Tyson to where he is. And also, it's, it's still early days, but a brilliant job so far with Huey. And I just I hope that you get the recognition that you deserve now. I, I think that you're definitely in with a shout for being, you know, the best trainer in, in the world this year. Absolutely. So I hope you get the recognition that you deserve, Peter, because you deserve it more than anyone in the scene at the moment. I'll tell you what I need. I don't need any credit for anything. What I need is my son to be a champion of the world and Tyson to hold them belts. They can look at me as a road sweeper. As long as they get where they want to be, I'm a happy man. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, all these compliments are very nice to get. No, you're never going to be a road sweeper, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, thank you very much again, Peter, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I should see you at the at the at the Huey Fury fight this weekend. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, all the very best. And uh, Team Fury are now champions of the world. And the new, <laughs> the new, exactly. Good listening to that. I can't uh, I can't hear that enough. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Peter. We speak soon. Thank you. All the best. Bye. Okay, now it's time for part two of the Box Hard podcast. As you probably already know, this show is split into two parts, part one and part two. Part two is the part where we preview the fights that are coming up this weekend. So I'm not going to start in any particular order. I'm just going to read them all out. All the big fights coming up this week, um, they're just sort of sprinkled everywhere, all around the world, all different fighters on crazy bills, crazy fights. So I'm just going to start nowhere in particular. So I'm going to start over in Hamburg, Germany. Jack Kulkaya defends his interim WBA world light middleweight title against Dennis Hogan. So yeah, interim WBA title in the 154 division. Jack Kulkaya is now 20 and one. He faces Dennis Hogan, who's 22 and O with the one draw. Also on that bill, Kubrat Pulev, he steps in against Morris Harris. Now, Kubrat Pulev is now 21-1. and one. The one draw, sorry, the one loss coming to Vladimir Klitschko, of course. It's only an eight-rounder. Morris Harris has a record of 26 wins and 20 losses with three draws. Morris Harris, who has been unable to win any 
of his last four fights, three losses and one draw. The one loss, well, the one draw was to Grover Young, who has a record of 12 and 16. So he's got a draw with him and three losses. One to Amir Mansour, that was over 12 rounds, unanimous decision. He got KO'd in the second round against Andre Fedosov. And his last fight was just in October. He got KO'd in the first round by Alexander Ustinov. That was on the undercard of Jorge Linares. That was over in Venezuela. So moving on from that Hamburg card, we're going to go over to Mexico now. There's a fight over there. Johnny Gonzalez, very, very experienced man. 58 wins and 10 losses. He faces, against, he faces off against Hurricane Future. That's a real contender for some of the craziest names we've seen in boxing. Hurricane Future has a record of 20 wins, 5 losses and the 1 draw. That's in the Super Featherweight division. That's it for Mexico. Um, in New Zealand, Joseph Parker gets out again. He looks to move to 17-0. and 12-round heavyweight contest for the WBO Oriental heavyweight title. He faces Daniel Martz, who has a record of 14 wins, two losses, and one draw. That's it for New Zealand. Uh, back in England now, Tyler Goodjohn, he's out again. He faces Ivo Gogosevic. Gogosevic, 12 wins, 12 losses, 2 draws. Tyler Goodjohn, 11 wins, 4 losses. That's a six-rounder in the welterweight division. Also on that card, Woody Camacho. He's he's back in a four-rounder in the cruiserweight division. Woody Camacho now, 13 wins, 5 losses. He faces Rainey's Porozovs. Porozovs, 3 wins, Five losses and one draw. So that should really be a walkover for Wadi Camacho. Now going over to the Westcroft Leisure Centre in Carshorton, United Kingdom. Lenny Dawes tops the bill. This is for the vacant EBU European Super Lightweight title. Lenny Dawes now 30 wins, three losses and two draws. He faces Ruben Nieto. Ruben Nieto, 16 wins, one loss. Also on the undercard, Huey Fury, of course, that was confirmed by Peter. Huey Fury looks to move to 18-0. and 0. He's got 17 wins to his name at the moment. His opponent hasn't been announced yet, of course. Peter already said that. They're looking for someone with enough balls to fight him. Ten-rounder, that one. And also on that undercard, Danny Cassius Connor. He's out as well, but I'm not sure who his opponent is at this stage. Over at the Hilton Hotel in Coventry, Andrew Robinson. He's in a four-rounder. He faces Jason Ball. A lot of people may remember Andrew Robinson for his fight with Frank Bullioni. Andrew Robinson is now 16-1. and one. That one loss was to Bullioni. And Jason Ball, nine wins, 21 losses. Now going over to California, Andy Ruiz Jr. He's out again. It's only an eight-rounder. He's now 26-0. and 0. He looks to move to 27-0. and 0. I can't wait to see him get someone in the top 10, top 15 to fight him because he seems to be fighting all these journeymen, padding out his record. But I think he's actually a good fighter, so it'd be nice to see him in there with someone of note. But his opponent hasn't been announced yet. As I said, it's only an eight rounder over in California and now the biggest bill of the weekend without a doubt in the Barclays Centre Brooklyn New York Danny Jacobs Daniel Jacobs he faces Peter Quillin now Daniel Jacobs has a record of 30 wins one loss he's the WBA world middleweight champion he faces Peter Quillin who was the WBO world middleweight champion but he gave his belt up in order to to not fight on the on the Rock Nation bill, and the belt was given to Korobov, and Korobov fought Andy Lee for it, and Andy Lee won that fight, of course, and then Andy Lee went on to defend against Peter Quillen in his first defence, and Peter Quillen and Andy Lee fought to a draw. That's the only draw on Peter Quillen's record. So Peter Quillen, 32-0, and 0, unbeaten, but with the one draw to Andy Lee. Now, this is a massive, massive, massive fight, Ayers, of course, we know that Danny Jacobs comes to fight. He's a good fighter. He's skillful. But we also know that Peter Quillin, also known as Kid Chocolate, is a real, real talent in the middleweight division. Last week, or the week before now, sorry, we saw Cotto face off against Canelo. Canelo is now, you know, he's now the champion at middleweight. He's now got the WBC belt at middleweight. This one is for the WBA belt. 
whoever wins this is, is going to take that belt, of course. Daniel Jacobs already the champion at the moment. And then on the, the 19th of December, we're going to see the WBO championship contested for and that is at the moment held by Andy Lee and he faces off against Billy Joe Saunders so a hell of a lot of movement in the middleweight division at the moment it's a real hot division uh, some really interesting fights but yeah back to the fight Danny Jacobs Peter Quillen Ayaz talk to me I can't wait for this fight it's because obviously it's Peter Quillen with Daniel Jacobs obviously we've seen Quillen fight against Andy Lee and we've seen that became a draw now there's there's a saying that um, the winner of this fight fights the winner of this fight has to fight the winner of uh, Spike O'Sullivan v Chris Eubank Jr. Which in my opinion that'd be a very good fight. The win uh, the winner of Quill Quillen and Jacobs v the winner of Spike O'Sullivan and Chris Eubank Jr. But with the Quillen fight, in my opinion, I have to uh, against Quillen against Jacobs. I have to give him the verdict to in my opinion that's going to win the fight. I reckon Quillen will win it. I have to agree. I think Danny Jacobs is a good fighter, but I just don't think he's, I don't know, he's not, I don't think he's going to be able to cope with Quillen. Quillen's very, very um, crafty, good fighter, very skillful, punches quite hard. Danny Jacobs is a good fighter in his own right. You know, we're here to bring you the fights and to give our opinions on it. And this one is a really, really, really close one. It's hard to split these guys. But moving down on the undercard of that fight, Chris Algieri, he fights Eric Bone. Chris Algieri, 20 wins, 2 losses. Eric Bone, 16 wins, 2 losses. Of course, Algieri's 2 losses, 1 to Amir Khan and 1 to Manny Pacquiao. There's no shame in that. So, Algieri should win this fight, to be honest. You know, he wants to get back in the picture of things at 147. And that's really it for part two. That's all the previews done now. There's a lot of interesting fights. They're sort of just scattered everywhere. We've mentioned New York. We've mentioned New Zealand. We've mentioned Hamburg. We've mentioned Carshalton Leisure Centre. So they're scattered everywhere this week. So a lot of interesting fights are on. But anyway, that's it for part two. Now it's time for our third guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome trainer of Vladimir Klitschko, Mr. Jonathan Banks, welcome to the show once again, Jonathan. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Now, there's nowhere really else to start. Um, the first question I'm going to ask is, what went wrong on the night, Jonathan? <laughs> Everything. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, I still we got to go back to the drum board to see what happened. But Vlad just wasn't active. He wasn't throwing punches. It's not... Um, I still congratulate Tyson Fury for, for winning, but it's not all what Tyson Fury did. It's what Vladimir Klitschko didn't do. What did you put it down to? I mean, was it... So if you're saying it's a mixture of what Fury did and what Vladimir didn't do... I mean, what, that's, I think what, that's more clear than anything. If you look at the fight and notice Vladimir's activity level, it, it wasn't high. Tyson Fury activity level wasn't high. So it's not like Tyson Fury just came in and beat the crap out of him. It's just that the punches Tyson threw, Vladimir wasn't throwing punches back. Now, there was a lot of antics in the build-up. Um, you know, re- Vladimir wrapping his hands without anyone seeing, uh, having a well, really Well, that's thick... not true. That part not true. Vladimir uh, never wrapped his hands without anybody seeing it. Uh, when you when you win the fight, when you're in the locker room of a fighter, um, you have a commission back there. And then you have someone else from the fighters, other, your opponent's camp to come look. Vladimir Klitschko did a pre-rap because we told them the time we was rapping, and they said, okay. They said, we will have somebody there. I said, listen, this the time we're rapping. They said, okay, no problem. We will have someone there. But they said, we don't know what time we're rapping, so we'll let you know. And um, when Vladimir started his pre-rap, he was doing that himself. And he waited another uh, extra 20 minutes. And then it got to extra 30 minutes when the, someone from their camp finally came in. And um, then they said, well, your hands are wrapped already. I said, no, this is just a pre-wrap. And as you can see, all it is is just gauze. It's no tape, no nothing, no padding, no nothing, just a strip of gauze. And... They said, no, that's not fair. We weren't here to see it, so you got to take it off or the fight is off. So that's really what happened. 
And um, so he redid the rap. That's all it was. He just redid the rap. He didn't. He didn't have his hands wrapped, and they wasn't there. That that that's not true. Yeah, because the media, the British media, paint a picture, and I didn't want to, you know, believe everything that we hear and see. So I wanted to get your opinion, but also stuff. Well, like, that's not that's not my opinion. That's actually what happened because I was right there. Yeah, yeah. Of course, your side of the story. Um, of course, there was also talk about the the thick canvas. Um, was any of this, because it's been put down in the British media, it's been put down to basically antics to attempt to unsettle Fury. You you don't think that that's what it was? I mean, what, what I mean, was it? Vladimir, Vladimir Klitschko is the promoter of the show. He went by the BDB rules. The canvas can't be thinner, less than whatever. And um, from, from, what I, from what I was told, Someone told Fury's team that the canvas was thick, and they went to the arena to see. And they said the canvas is too thick for them to fight on, and they won't fight on it. And obviously it's been well documented that there's a rematch clause in the contract. There's also been a lot of talk that Klitschko will exercise it, Klitschko won't exercise it. From inside the camp, if you do know at this particular stage, um, will he be exercising well, he said it at the press conference after the fight that he definitely will exercise his rematch. And if if he does do that, how do you think the second fight would play out? What does Klitschko have to do to change the outcome? He, all he got to do is let his hands go. That's it. And if, for example, Fury were to were to win the rematch, do you think that would be it for Vlad, or could you see him dropping down a level to attempt to get into a mandatory position? I don't, I don't foresee that happening. I can't speak on that too much as of now, but I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. No, no. If, if if he loses two fights in a row to a Tyson Fury, then the things that he done in boxing, for all he accomplished, I don't see him. I don't see no need to continue right now. Okay. I mean, no matter no matter what, nobody's gonna come around the corner and do what he did. You got 10 years, you got to reign on top to start to scratch the surface of doing what he did. So, uh, that, I mean, a lot of people want to under, undermine it and say and not mention it. But the things that Vladimir Klitschko has accomplished in boxing in the last 12 years is unbelievable. Nobody has done it. You talking about records being being matched, that the fighters haven't been fought, fought for at least 50 years. You know, and all, look at all the dominant heavyweights we had coming to the world of boxing and become champion, and none of them has been has reigned for a long time, and that is a big statement. No matter how you look at it, that's a big statement. Yeah, and I don't think anyone can disagree with that. I personally still regard Klitschko as one of the best, you know, fighters in the in the heavyweight division of history. Um, now, now that Fury's got Vladimir's belts now. There's obviously one other belt out there. And if I asked you beforehand, um, I think I did ask you before who you thought would win out of Fury and Wilder. But what do you think now? Has your opinion changed at all if that if that happened and there was I mean, a unification? It doesn't. My my. I don't know what I said the first time, but my, I'm sure my opinion not going to change. When I said whoever, what, I can't even think of what I said, but I, I believe that... Um, Whoever can take the best punch and keep going will win the fight. But do you give any? Do you give credit to to Fury for getting the win though? How can you not? I mean, you have to. He came in there and did, and he did something in one night that twelve years nobody did. So you have to give him. You have to take a hat off to the man. You have to congratulate the new champion. I mean, that would be that would be wrong not to congratulate him. He did everything he he believed in himself. He did everything he knew to do to win. And me personally, all I can say is congratulations to him. Okay, now moving on uh, from the Klitschko from the Klitschko fight. Last time we spoke, Dillian White was still in camp. Um, he's he's obviously still in camp now. How has camp gone up until this point, Jonathan? Camp is great. I mean, I have no complaints about it. 
I mean, as you can see, I mean, a lot of people say every fighter, you won't get not one fighter or trainer to go on the show or come up to a podium and say, camp suck, camp is terrible, but I don't know what's going to happen in the fight. Everybody say camp is great. That's when you have your good times, your bad times in camp. So it's traditional. Camp is good, but camp don't matter until unless you perform it on fight night. But for Dillian White, he's looking good. He's in good shape. And I just believe that he go perform on uh, on the tour. Okay, Jonathan. Well, yeah, t- thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us uh, so soon after the fight, of course. Uh, we man, anytime. I, I hate that it took so long. I wish we could have got it done sooner, you know. But anytime, whatever you want to ask, I mean, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, it's, it's fine with me. I appreciate that, Jonathan. But we've had you on twice, which has been my honor. So, Well, it's my pleasure, man. Believe me. And I appreciate you contacting me. And like I said, anything you want to ask, anytime you want to ask it, just send me a message and we get back on the show. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jonathan. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to end episode 11 of the Box Hard podcast. This week, we've brought you three guests, both the trainers of the massive fight last weekend involving Klitschko and Fury. We spoke to Jonathan Banks, the trainer of Vladimir Klitschko. We spoke to Peter Fury, the trainer of Tyson Fury. We also spoke to son of a legend, Julius Jackson, son of Julian Jackson. Thank you very much for listening this far. Thank you very much for giving us your ears for the last hour or so. Please follow, please like, please subscribe, share, comment, everything. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week with another show. Take care.